is again. One, two, three, I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act where first may shock you. The mystic nights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. Welcome to another bonus episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. This is part two, where we are talking about more albums from the 1970s that we missed the first time around. So we got um, pretty far into our, our list before we had to stop. So here are the albums that we have left to review. Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club's only release called English Garden. Reckless Eric, The Stiff Years. The A's debut album, The A's. Charisma's second album, Hibernation. The Sports' second album called Don't Throw Stones. And The Knits' second album entitled Tent. Before we move on, I just want to remind everybody that we were talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. Uh, This is an opinion show, but even so, we try to be um, mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was released during a pretty unique period of time. As we've learned, Rob, so far, maybe these couple of episodes, not so extraordinary music, (laughs) but um, still, you know, notable enough for us it to be worth us take the time and kind of play catch up on some of this. Yeah, for sure. Before we go into that, I just kind of want to touch base with you about a couple of things. Now, I am speaking not just for myself, but for all of our listeners. Um, J'ai accuse. <laughs> um, it has come to my attention that you are seeing another podcast behind oh, our back, Rob. Well, what is going on? Tell me about it. This is actually very exciting. Yeah. Um, so the strangest thing happened uh, a couple of years ago. I got back together with a bunch of old friends from high school. Um, you know, when we were kids, we used to sit around and read comic books together and talk about books. Now we also used to talk about music and, uh, one of our, one of our members of our little gang was a, a musician. He was in a couple bands, so we'd all go see him play, but we loved comic books and we got into a book called the X-Men from Marvel comics. Well, not too long ago, I reconnected with these guys and I said, you know what? Remember when we used to read comics together? What if we did that again? So I I came up with the idea. Let's have a book club. Let's get together a book club. Just us. We'll go back and we'll read the X-Men again, but from 1963 forward. And they're like, what? What a great idea. So we started doing that. Episode one. So how we started doing it was we meet once a month for about three hours. And we have an entire month to read five or six issues 
Okay. And that was what the book club was about. So we would talk about these books over the period of the three hours we're together. Now, it, what we've done is we've started out because now obviously it's a podcast. Shane is doing all the editing and he cuts it into two issue segments. So an hour per segment or 45 minutes as it would turn out. So we start from number one. And so the first episode will be actually number one, number two, and number three. The, uh, the podcast, as it now is, uh, as well as a book club, is called The House of X Book Club. And of course, you can find it on Spotify and Apple iTunes, Apple you know, Podcasts. Um, there is a House of X podcast. We are not that. We are the House of X Book Club. And um, mm. our membership is me, Rob. My buddy Shane, Roger, Rowan, and uh, our friend Drew. Um, it's rough because, as I stated, we didn't start out wanting to do a podcast. It was just us talking. So we swear a lot. We talk a lot of smack. Um, we probably insult a whole bunch of people. Feelings are going to be hurt. Um, but it's not meant to hurt anybody. We are just, you know, a lot of the times talking out of our ass. But we read we do the research and we have a good time doing it. So as opposed to this podcast where we never talk out of our ass, right? Mm, Rob? No, no, no. I mean, talking out of your ass <laughs> is what podcasts are all about. I think <laughs> we never claim to be, we never claim to be, uh, uh, you know, experts in any field. So <laughs> we, we, we ne never claim to be unass talker outers. Not at all. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Cool. Um, so, one other thing I, I want to touch base before we jump back into these albums. Um, our last, um, not our last episode, but the last bonus track episode. At one point we were talking about your interactions with um, the guitarist from Shock. Mm -hmm. And so you were recounting the story of how you met um and you made a couple of assumptions as far as the knowledge of our listeners. Uh -huh. And so I just want to clarify something. Um, so you were talking about how um, he was l looking at a, a book or a map or something about James Dean yeah. in Mendocino. So the movie, I think it was the third and final James Dean movie, um, the third movie where he, he was one of the stars, was East of Eden, and it was filmed in Mendocino. Yeah, absolutely. So so when you're referring to he was looking for locations, he was trying to identify locations in Mendocino where those scenes were shot. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that this was – um, East of Eden was filmed in the 50s. Or was it the early 60s? Hmm, so I, I couldn't 50s. tell you. I want to say it was late 50s. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as towns in America go, Mendocino has probably changed the least compared yeah. to most towns, but it still changed a lot. I mean, back then, most of the roads, if not all of the roads, were dirt roads yeah it, it wasn't paved even in downtown yeah. mendocino well hell um, a lot of those still are <laughs> yeah yeah so um so it can be kind of tricky to mm -hmm. 
to identify even somebody I went to middle school and high school right in Mendocino. And even I have a hard time when I watch that movie, sometimes identifying exactly, exactly where it is. Anyone who's not familiar with Mendocino, Mendocino is less than a square mile, the actual village, yeah. you know, yeah. um, pretty, very, very small. I mean, it might be even less than half a square mile as far as the actual residents and, and all of that. So Anyways, I, I just wanted to clarify that, um, that, um, so, so maybe that story makes a little bit more yeah. sense. Yeah. Now there was a, there is a picture and it was actually in the book that he had with him and he was looking at a picture of James Dean basically sitting on our curb, the, the gallery bookshop, mm. bookshop where I, mm -hmm. where I work, um, is prominently displayed there in the film, in that picture, even, and he's sitting right there on the curb. So the entire storefront is exactly as it was then. <laughs> so it's not hard to miss. But, but like you said, some of the, the roads are different. There, there's even a couple buildings that are no longer there. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to cover um, before we start back up? Um, well, there's, I do have another shout out if I may. Mm hmm. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, my buddy Jack came into the shop and wanted to tell me that he started listening to the podcast and he started listening with our best of 79 episode and it got him hooked. Mm, so, great. um, you know, he's bound to go back and listen to the beginning. Um, but he, you know, and he, he was kind of like, that's, that's where I started for whatever reason. That's what I clicked on and that's where I started. But he said it was cool. And uh, high praise also for you, Joseph, because he said Joseph's oh. pretty knowledgeable. Like he was there, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Well, I, you know, it makes sense to start at the beginning. Um, but however, the beginning was pretty rough for us as a podcast, both <laughs> technically and just yeah. format wise. And, and I, I told him that too. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, you're, you're the, uh, the, uh, bookshop is becoming sort of the deep dives, deep cuts, hot spot for people to connect, uh, which is cool. Mm -hmm. If, uh, any of our listeners, I, I, Pretty sure you feel comfortable uh, with me saying this. If you find yourself in Mendocino um, and you you want to uh, meet Rob in the flesh, uh, just go down to the gallery bookshop and look for the guy who looks like he might be like cosplaying for Doctor <laughs> Demento. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You got that sort of like Doctor Demento cosplay That's... thing. I've, I've I've seen I've seen you in top hats. I've seen you in capes. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, yeah. Stop by the bookshop and say hey. Um, we've got a small but growing uh, uh, section of uh, uh, a music section, and uh, you know books like uh, uh, Mike Michael's book on mm -hmm. you know the photos that he took of uh punk and post-punk new wave that book is there there's a, a few other books on you know women in the punk movement and 
uh, I don't know, just some really great stuff. Other than that, there's just books are fucking awesome. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, come in and say, Hey, and pick up something to read <laughs> and, and maybe take a picture with Dr. Domeno. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, should we jump back in? Let's do it. Let's go in. Let's do it. All right, let's move on to an album that I we actually mentioned briefly a couple of episodes ago, and I am excited that we're getting a chance to delve into. When we talked about it uh, last time, I mispronounced his name. I refer to him as Bruce Woolley with an R, but it's just Woolley. Oh. So this is Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club's uh, one and only album called English Garden. Uh, the most notable thing about this this album is that um, it includes two songs that also appear on the Buggles debut album. So Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Clean Clean were both written by Bruce Woolley and members of uh, the Buggles. And this is... (laughs) (laughs) So when... uh, You know what? Let's, Let's just... Let's listen to... Let's listen to the first song that we're going to feature tonight off of this album, and then we'll like delve into mm-hmm. it. My pick off of this album is the title track, a song called English Garden. Let's talk about Bruce Woolley's history a little bit before we get into our reactions to this album. So um, he uh, his first hit was a song called um, Dancing with Dr. Bop for the Australian group The Studs and then um, had another minor hit um, called Baby Blue uh, that he wrote... F- um, for Dusty Springfield, mm, he also, um, which he co-wrote with Trevor Horn, who was a member of the Buggles, mm-hmm. and Jeff Downs. Um, so Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club is Bruce Woolley, Thomas Dolby. So this is Thomas yep. Dolby gets his start on in this band. Dave Birch, Rod Johnson, and Matthew. Uh, Saliman, who would soon leave to join the Soft Boys. Um, and this was not a successful album. It came out before the Buggles debut album came out. Um, 
And in 1980, we will look at the Buggles debut album, uh, and we'll, we will probably refer back to this this album. And here's the thing: C- comparing the two albums, there there is an overlap of of those two songs, but. I feel like taking those two songs off the table, I feel like the songwriting off of this album is stronger than the songwriting off of the Buggles album, like the the non-Bruce Woolley related songs. Yeah. However, the music off of that the Buggles do, I think is much stronger than off of English Garden. Um, so the the choices that the camera club make about how to uh, how what direction to go with on this album are uh, do not resonate with me nearly as much. The sound is not nearly as good as the um, the direction that the Buggles go. I think you're right about that in that uh, the Buggles, you know, the energy on their album is much heavier, much higher. To me, this Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club is is pretty, it feels muted. Well, he can't, it's, it's like they can't, they can't figure out like what direction that they want to go in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of like half pop, half sort of like traditional rock and not it's it feels very mamsy pamsy to yeah. me. Like they 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 have no focus. Um, I I really do think that the um, song that we just heard, English Garden, is the, the strongest song off of this album. It's the most focused. Yeah. Um, the songwriting is really good across the board. They just make some weird choices <laughs> about about you know the direction that they take the songs. So I would love, gosh, if if the Buggles had done these songs for an album. It would have been a killer album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, no surprise when I say that my favorite version of Video Killed the Radio Star is the Bubbles version, obviously. Um, (laughs) The whole album would have been cool. His version of Video Killed the Radio Star is a big swing and a miss. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mentioned that... There were several songs that you picked for tonight that were my least favorite songs on the album. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. this is the third one, <laughs> my friend. Wait, the third uh, one? It, oh no, okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what did you pick? I picked a tune called "The Flying Man." Hello, baby.
actually surprised that this is your least favorite. Um, I, I think the energy's really good here. You know, it's got the, I don't know, is it the drum you don't like? I don't know what it is, but... I, you know, I, I can't, I can't pinpoint one specific yeah. thing. I just find it really annoying. Um, and it's very bouncy. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I like bouncy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I find it, it, it just rubs me the wrong way. Okay. I, I some, sometimes that's all I got. <laughs> it's just. I totally, no, I totally get you there. I totally get you there. There's quite a few songs, some of them on this playlist, some of them on the albums that we're covering where I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. But I actually like this tune. Um, Mm -hmm. The, like I said, the energy behind it was, was, I I felt kind of cool. Now we can mention again that, I don't know, maybe if the Buggles covered it, it would, uh, you know, it might have been done better. But <laughs> well, actually, we'll I'm totally aboard on board with that. I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the songwriting. I, I just feel like they, um, their approach is really like rock and roll. Yeah. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. And it to- you, you, you totally can hear it here in this song, in yeah. this song, very strongly in this song, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually um, recorded or partially recorded a follow-up album that um, their label CBS refused to release and then dropped them. And so um, English Garden was the only release by Bruce Woolley and the um, Camera Club. Now, Bruce does just fine. He goes goes on to become a pretty successful songwriter and producer. Uh, he will work with Trevor Horn um, uh, again, if several, you know, moving on into the future. Um, several s- successful collaborations with Trevor Horn, which, of course, Trevor Horn goes on to become uh, a very, very successful producer as well. Um, Bruce um, does a lot of work with um, Grace Jones. Cool. And um, writes and produces one of her biggest hits, which we will cover when we get to it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's cool. I've got something to look forward to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything anything else to say on this album? No, it is a um a very flawed but fun and interesting album um and definitely worth checking out. Uh kind of more as a novelty than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get you there. All right. Uh let's move on now. Um so we are actually the next conversation we're going to have is not about a album specifically, but about an artist. So we are going to talk about reckless Eric. Mm. Um, A lot, most of these albums and these bands were not included in uh, our regular content just because we were not aware of them. But a couple of these like uh, reckless Eric and Kraftwerk, which we've talked about, a lot about in the past what those were conscious 
decisions that that we made um you know before we we even released our first episode and we reversed our decision about craft work because we were wrong about yeah, yeah, that totally. and by we i mean mostly me <laughs> um but with reckless eric um i still feel like there's not it's, it's not a good use of our time to talk about Re reckless eric on a regular basis but the reason why uh, we're sticking him in here now is because um uh at least two or three um times we've heard from listeners questioning our decision to not include him um so we are this is the one time that we're going to talk about reckless eric um kind of talk about his um years with the um the stiff label and having spent like really dove into his catalog and listened to most of his stuff that he released in the uh 70s i still don't feel like he's an essential part of this conversation um but i think it comes up because he he is was one of the original roster members um on stiff records along with um elvis costello ian dury and nick lowe oh yeah good old nick lowe we are going to listen to a couple of his songs not particularly well definitely not punk not really post-punk uh, except for in the the just the most general sort of angry young man sort of a way um and not particularly new wave. Um, but he was, you know, he was a part of the original roster of stiff records. And so I think that's why people kind of associate him with more with that type of music. Let's listen to his most popular song, like, by far, it is when you go to Spotify, the song Whole Wide World is played um, 38 times more than any of his other songs. <laughs> so okay. this is, um, I don't I don't think it's quite appropriate to call him a one hit wonder. But, you know, if people are familiar with Reckless Eric at all, it is because of this song. So let's go ahead and listen to it, and then uh, you and I can kind of have a d discussion about where we're at with Reckless Eric. Sure, sure enough. When I was a young boy, my mama said to me, there's only one girl in the world for you, and she probably lives in Tahiti. I go the whole wide world, I go the whole wide world, just to find her. Or maybe she's in the Bahamas, where the Caribbean sea is blue. We've been in a tropical moonlit night because nobody's told about you. I call the whole wide world. I call the whole wide world. 
tell you where I am with Reckless Eric. Um, you'll notice that I didn't pick a song off of this album. <laughs> and it, it okay, I listen, I, tr- I couldn't get through this album the first time. Mm. I couldn't get through it. I there was nothing on it I wanted to hear, and certainly mm-hmm. nothing on it I wanted to hear more than once. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I I had to stop it part of the way through the first time around. And the mm-hmm. second time around, I had to force myself uh, mm-hmm. to, to get through it. I I certainly don't knock people's, you know, choices if they brought this up mm-hmm. and are like, hey, why didn't you guys, why don't you play Reckless Eric? But I can't. I can't get on board with it. I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like any of it. Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Him and Nick were both. Yeah. (laughs) And there is nothing offensive or bad about the music that he released, um, during, during the stiff years. Um, but I would call him a low rent Nick Lowe. Mm. And that does not bode well. Cause I am not a big Nick Lowe fan to begin with, but I recognize Nick Lowe's um, genius. Yeah. His just sensibilities work totally against mine. I am disinclined to use a word like brilliance or genius talking about, reckless eric it's all sounds very serviceable um uh but yeah i'm i'm right there with you i we are we are having a conversation about him now so let's let's talk about reckless eric so he was as mentioned one of the original members of the the stiff record stable mm-hmm. um released three albums under the stiff label so the debut album was released in 1978 called reckless eric and um all the all five of the top songs uh, on spotify of his are off of this album it hit number 46 in the uk in 1978, he released his follow-up album called The Wonderful World of Reckless Eric. And then in <laughs> 1980, um, released an album called Big Smash, which hit number 30, which might have been... It's a little unclear about if it was purely a compilation or had a, a combination of already released songs and some new songs. Mm -hmm. And then he left the um, stiff label and um, just started recording stuff in his own home studio and released a couple of albums, Um, you know, every five or seven years, he, he released another album and I think that's probably well. Let's uh, let's listen to the the second song we're going to feature tonight, a song called "Girlfriend," which I feel like is um, much more representative of most of the the music. 
while he was on the Stiff Records label. So he is, I'm looking at my notes here, and in big caps underline, I have the word basic. His music is so basic. It is too basic for me. Um, there's a, like a lot of boogie woogie, a lot of power pop. You like start listening to him and you know, you're not going to get very far without hearing a cover of a Buddy Holly song. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the mind space that he's in. So, um, yeah, so this is the second song we're going to feature by Reckless Eric, a song called Girlfriend. They say you want to make that girl your bride To live in bliss and never leave your side The things of overhood Every word that's a lie Oh my, all I need to know Honestly, I don't know that I have uh, much more to say about Reckless Eric. He is, I mean, this has just kind of confirmed that we chose wisely yeah. uh, when we we excluded him from our regular rundowns. Uh, but I would like to just, uh, before we move on, just note that um, the, um, you know, his big hit, Whole, Whole Wide World, um, has been covered many times mm-hmm. um some of the uh, more most notable artists who have covered this song are the lightning seeds mental as anything the monkeys the proclaimers paul westerberg course of the replacements and cage the elephant and that that actually i feel like that roster is sort of a pr- pretty good um, indication of like where Reckless Eric is coming from, except for Cage the Elephant, maybe. I mean, oh, it's, they're they're it's a pretty, fine, they're a fine band. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know, pretty pretty straightforward, pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah. Um, just a little too straightforward for me. Indeed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear I, about... I hear that in your voice, Joseph. I, I, I know it's getting ready to happen here. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about the band called the A's. So that's A apostrophe S. Um they were a Philadelphia band. Um, their debut album, uh, eponymously titled album, was released in 1979. Uh, that's what we're talking about tonight. This is probably my least favorite album that we are talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. I um, I have nothing good to say about this album. I 
was like all of the songs did none of the songs did anything for me. I was like, I'm going to pass on this and just go with whatever Rob picks as his song. <laughs> and you sent me your list and you passed as well. Oh yeah. So I went to Spotify and I picked the most popular song on Spotify, kind of their biggest hit. I'm putting that in quotes. Um, no, excuse me. It was, it was the biggest hit off of this album. Okay. Um, so let's listen to that before we get into um, I, what I assume is sort of our mutual dislike for this album. So let's listen to After Last Night. After Last Night. I listened to this album. This was another, this was another one that I, it really, it was hard to get through. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up having to put it on while I was driving and then just kind of doing my own thing while I'm in my car on my way to work. It was like, I, I wasn't even, I couldn't even get involved in the, in the music, you know, it was just background noise for me. It was the only way I could get through it. And, uh, I, I didn't pick intentionally, obviously I didn't pick a song. I don't know if I even told you there are some, some albums I'm not picking songs on cause I hate the damn album. But I remember mm-hmm. thinking to myself, crap, Joseph's going to kill me because he probably doesn't want to pick a song off this album either. <laughs> so it's funny to hear you say that. Uh, but you know, you took one for the team, man. Good job. <laughs> Well, no, I just, I punted, um, you know, I, I, I guess just, so. like I said, I, I picked the, um, the most played song, um, on this album and just went with that because, you know, whatever, I mean, obviously this is not music that is going to resonate with either of mm-hmm. us. Right. And so you know, we are, we are maybe not very good. You know, I would, this is, so once again, this falls, um, pretty squarely in the angry young man category. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even more so, I mean, they, the band, so they're, th- this is the, this music sounds like, a dime a dozen bands, you know, like the yeah, bands that, that, that maybe are locally popular. And so they cut an album and don't go anywhere, but eventually every once in a while, one band kind of breaks through the, the mediocrity and kind of, so I'm thinking of like the romantics, um, Rick Springfield, yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing like a lot of Rick Springfield in here trying to like second guess the appeal of this band. Um, It's just everything is is awkward and inartful. 
um the the lyrics are um inane there's like no real sense of humor i, I mean i would call the the musicianship um competent but maybe slightly mediocre mm-hmm. i i i just i don't know that i i have anything particularly positive to say about this uh, frankly they're forgettable you know it's to the mm-hmm. point where they're just forgettable to me they're just background noise like i said earlier it's it's that kind of thing so this was uh their debut album they actually released a follow-up that was more successful but uh, much more pop so we're not going to cover it um it was titled A Woman's Got the Power. It was released in 1981 and um, actually hit number 18 on the U.S. Top Rock Tracks chart and number 26 in Canada. So that was uh, by far their biggest hit. But uh, despite that, they got dropped by their label, um after that album and so that is the a's so now now when people ask us about the a's we'll we'll know what they're talking about and we'll say we already covered them we don't have to do it again that's right (laughs) (laughs) in fact we played their most popular song on our show (laughs) no we didn't oh we We... played their most popular song on this album on our show that's (laughs) right All right. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk right now about a band that we've already heard from tonight, and uh, mm-hmm. that's the band Charisma, still spelt with a ch, not a k. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their this is their second album, uh, entitled Hibernation, which was released in 1979. Um, I you know I. I I find this little Italian duo kind of interesting. And although I'm not super crazy about their music, uh, it's not, you know, it's okay, but it's not something I really want to hear. I find their history interesting. So I'll probably at some point go Mm -hmm. dig deeper and and learn a bunch of stuff about them. But um, since we talked about them already, I don't have a whole lot to say about them or this album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we should just go into playing playing my pick so i chose a song called we are and before we go into it i want to say that for some reason and you may when we come back tell me if i'm right or wrong but i had a feeling that you would not like this song so (laughs) so and that's not why i picked it but i picked it and i thought joseph's not gonna like that at any rate it's tune called we are by charisma Swinging, 
No, I like this song. I actually feel like um, it is a pretty good representation of the chart. I, I find this a very charming band, um, very, yeah. very likable band. Um, the songwriting on this particular song, I think, is a little weaker than some of the other songs. Mm. But um, I like the feel of it. This is, you know, once again, I'm very excited to see what they do in the 80s because I think they have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a a, a likable, modest little ditty. I'm I'm totally fine with this. Oh, sweet. Uh, so, refresh my memory. Do you do you prefer this over their debut? Um, yeah. Listening to it, I actually I think I actually like this one over their debut. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, fact there's besides we are, which I really liked a lot. Um, I, I really enjoyed the song that you picked and, mm. and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, again, they're not a band that I'm going to go after much, but, uh, I'd love to see what they come out with in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, uh, this album was pretty popular internationally. And it kind of got them on the map as being part of the London scene. You know, they were, Mm. they, you know, like we said, they're an Italian duo, but they were based in London, became part of the thing in London at the time. So uh, this Mm. is the album that put them there. Okay, well, let's get to that song. My, My pick is a song called Got Got Electron. strikes me about this album compared to their debut album is that this album sounds much more like sparks esque Mm -hmm. than, than their first one. They're kind of leaning into the new wave a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, I am not like a sparks super fan sparks is probably never going to be in my top 10 favorite new wave uh, bands, but I really like Sparks. Yeah. So any any time a band kind of reminds me of Sparks, um, that's a good thing. I feel like they're going in the in the right direction. So so yeah, this is a I I I like this album just fine. I gotta say, like this playlist, we we've kind of cherry picked the best songs off of most of these albums, but. 
there's there is no song that's gonna go on my per personal permanent playlist that I listen to just for my own enjoyment. Off off of um, this playlist? Off of this entire playlist. Yeah, not so, not even I had too much to dream last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing I'm with you. Now. I'm not gonna dignify I'm sorry. that with an answer. I don't think you should. Um <laughs> you know, this is this is definitely a synth pop album. Mm -hmm. And I have to say synth pop, when I say that, that, that phrase, it makes me feel like, you know, background music on a, a 1980s sci-fi movie. Now, you know? wait a minute. Stop. <laughs> I'm throwing a flag on this play here. So, yeah, well, so let, let me list a couple of bands and your list of top 10 all-time favorite new wave bands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Berlin mm -hmm. and the Human League. Are those not synth pop bands? I rest my case. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that I don't like synth pop because there are definitely some, some – I, you know, I love Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, Rowan's actually sitting across the room right now, and she's got her eyebrows up. Um <laughs> <laughs> because I love Berlin and I love, and who was the other band that you mentioned? Uh, um, Human League. Human League. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. She, now she's like, she really got her eyebrows up. So I do love, I do love those bands. Synth pop is great. And those bands, at least in their heyday, you know, when they first got big, it was like all synthesizer. That is mm -hmm. not true with charisma. There is mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, there yeah. is synthesizer, which I think is great, but there's a lot of guitars. And this is a pretty full sounding album for a duo, yeah. although I'm sure they had studio musicians and all of that in the recordings. Well, as I said about the, the sci-fi music, uh, sci-fi background music, you know, the score for a sci-fi film in the eighties, um, I guess it gets even better because their third album apparently features Hans Zimmer uh, on synth. So, <laughs> so there's definitely going to be a lot of that. An album that I like a lot less is um, <laughs> from a band called The Sports. So they they actually um, re ha released two albums in the seventies. Um, their first album was called Reckless, which was released in 1978. We were originally going to cover both of them, but we had to trim some out just because uh, we weren't going to be have time to cover everything. And I made an ex ex executive decision after listening to the two sports albums that um, – that I didn't feel like we had a real compelling need to talk about their first album. It is, in my estimation, not as good as the album that we're going to talk about called Don't Throw Stones. Um, once again, very, very squarely in the angry young man oh, yeah. um, <laughs> sound, for sure. Um, this is an Australian band. They had a actually a pretty big hit here in the United States. I hit it um, hit number five on the billboard charts with the song called who listens to the radio, which I am baffled 
as far as the appeal <laughs> of that song. So that is not a, fe- a song that we're going to feature. Instead, we're going to listen to the title track um, off of this album called Don't Throw Stones. I was lying in bed, was almost fast asleep, about to drift up into the deep. Wasn't a telephone ring, wasn't a doorbell, wasn't a dream as far as I could tell. Tap, tap, window, someone's throwing stones into somebody else's home. Just gonna go on to say that uh, once again, this is a band that I didn't even try to pick a song for, um, and and for for that same, I mean, again, it's 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 like a lot of the other stuff that's on this uh, on this set tonight that it's just not the sound. It's not the sound for me. It's not the sound I want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that said, don't throw stones. Um, I mean, I guess it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish I had something. I wish I had something great to say. Like, I wish I could point at the strengths of this album and go, "Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what's strong about it." It's just not my thing. But at this point, it's like I. It was a yawner for me to to even listen to. I couldn't really mm-hmm. come up with anything good. So yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, kind of like post-punk rockabilly yeah. um, on this album, which yeah. is uh, not, you know, <laughs> ideal for me. Not your favorite. Um, this sounds like a really, like a really hard working band. You know, they throw themselves in into their music, which, which I think is great. Um, it's hard to not... I mean, my inclination is to kind of dismiss them as like a low rent Joe Jackson. Ah, uh, yeah. Honestly, um, and um, I I would obviously pick Joe Jackson over over the sports, but but a, a solid working man's kind of album for sure. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the the guys. You know, they do what they do, and I'm sure people love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got nothing more. All right. Well, the sports. <laughs> then let's, let's, yeah, let's go into an album from another band that we've heard already from tonight. Uh, this is The Knits, which uh, you talked about earlier mm-hmm. uh, in their album, The Knits. This is in its second album, Tent. And it came out October of 1979. They, of course, are the Dutch pop band. Um, and this album with Tent, it it's almost like they decided to to kind of refine their new wave sound. 
And mm-hmm. uh, to me, this is a, is this is a better album? Uh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll go through here and say, you know, flat out Hank Hostetta uh, stated that bands like XTC and Talking Heads were definitely influential to the band's sound. Okay. Um, and I, I'll go into that a little bit more before. But before that, let's let's listen to uh, some of their music. This is my pick off of the album, Young Reporter. to this album made me think of a phrase I don't think I've ever thought of before um, or a term. Um, I would be most inclined to describe this album as like new wave prog. That's oh. kind of what this album feels like yeah. to me, which is, which is kind of cool and kind of annoying <laughs> at the same it's, time. <laughs> it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny, I say interesting in a way sometimes it sounds like you look at an ugly lamp and you're like, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> but but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I thought it was all right. Again, it's it's not one of my favorites, but it kind of made me interested in the knits more, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And and I don't know how you feel. So So this song itself was one that made me kind of perk up when I was listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned that Ian Hofstadter stated that he, you know, Ecstasy and Talking Heads were influential to the band's sound. But he also said that Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen was uh, important to them when it came to their storytelling mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and songwriting. Any rate, you picked a song for this album, didn't you? Yeah. Um... So this this song makes me giggle a lot. So um, I've always felt like the universe was just a little incomplete because, you know, in our culture here, we have, you know, for different sports, we have certain theme songs, you know, for like boxing, we have like the eye of the tiger and oh, for yeah. running, we have... Um, you know, the chariots of fire theme and um, it just, it always felt wrong that there wasn't like a, a getting fired up fight song for playing ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know that all this time there existed one. It was created by the Nits. Anytime you want to play ping pong, this is the song you need to to listen to to get fired up uh, right before you go on and and like kick some butt. So uh, (laughs) let's listen to Ping Pong by the Nets.
I could see, you know, I could see you, Joseph, towel around your neck, Terry cloth <laughs> headband around your head. You got your paddle in your hand and a ball in the other, and you come out onto the, uh, you know, onto the stage. There's a table set up, and people are cheering, and you've like you're That's jumping right. around, getting ready to this. This song is totally got you keyed up, man. You'd win the game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the song playing when I break through the paper banner. You know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh crap! What a great <laughs> what a great way to end this 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 episode. Oh man. <laughs> well, looking forward to the nits coming up. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I think I misspoke. Um, when we were talking about their first album. So, mm-hmm. so their first album was um, self-financed and self-released. Uh, and I think at that point I said they were picked up by CBS, which is incorrect. It was Columbia. Ah. So this is tent is their, um, their first uh, major label release. And uh, their debut album is not available on Spotify, but I think everything moving forward um, is uh-huh. and it just feels like a much more accomplished album. Obviously, produced by professionals, you know that that really um, probably uh, provided a lot of guidance to the members of this pretty young, pretty new band. Yeah. Uh, and you can you can hear it, you can feel it. Um, it's not just like all the rest of these albums. It's not a, it's not a great album, Mm -hmm. but um, it is, you can feel the potential um, moving forward. So I I am once again, very excited to see what the nits do in the 1980s. Well, I, I sure have as well. um, And this album is really kind of what, like I said, what perked me up and got me interested in hearing what they have to do. So Mm-hmm. We'll, we shall see. Well, that's a wrap, Rob. Um, I think I've said this several times before, but I, this time I really mean it. Um, we are, we are s- saying our final goodbyes to the seventies. Ah, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can say, too, that uh, I've talked to a handful of listeners who are so jazzed about, you know, ni- 1980. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we, we are, uh, listeners are reaching out to us getting kind of impatient for the next season to start, which is really the biggest compliment that they could give us yeah Um, so that so we really appreciate that the um bad news is that it's not going to happen (laughs) real soon um but we're thinking maybe august Mm -hmm. It, it it would august at the earliest um as i mentioned before we are in a transitory period both on several different levels so we are transitioning from the 70s to the 80s but on the back end we are transitioning from one platform to another so we got to get all of that stuff taken care of yeah uh before we can start the next uh next season 
So here, real quick, uh, summary of the albums that we covered um, over these last couple of episodes. Gruppo Sportivo's album, debut album, um, Ten Mistakes. Kraftwerk's album, Trans Europe Express. The Dictators with Manifest Destiny. Charisma's debut album called Chinese Restaurant. Wayne County and the Electric Chairs debut album with The Electric Chairs. The Knits debut album with The Knits. The Fabulous Poodles album Mirror Stars. Wayne County and the Electric Chairs album Storm the Gates of Heaven, also known as Man Enough to Be a Woman. The Yellow Magic Orchestra's second album Solid State Survivor. Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club's only release called English Garden. Tom Verlaine's debut solo album called Tom Verlaine. Reckless Eric, The Stiff Years. The A's debut album, The A's. Charisma's second album, Hibernation. The Sports' second album called Don't Throw Stones. And The Knits' second album entitled Tent. So, Rob. Yeah. What what gets your Blue Ribbon best of show? My Blue Ribbon is kind of a dusty blue. It's not very vibrant because... uh, a lot of these, well, all these albums, none of them were really all that great to me. Uh, but I'm going to have to say that my favorite one out of this batch will have to be Wayne County and the Electric Chairs with their album Storm the Gates of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm I'm not even I'm. I'm even going to come out and say it's not because I had too much to dream last night. Um, <laughs> Man enough to be a, a woman was a great tune, um, and I think there's you know there's a lot of really interesting stuff on here. Um, I Wayne County is also one of these, or I should say, the Electric Chairs is also one of these bands that I want to learn more about, and. Again, we've already talked about how they only had those three albums, but yeah, this is your last chance. Yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the albums a little bit more and I'm going to, I'm going to do some research and, and learn more about Jane County too, just to see, you know, see what I could see. So I'm definitely, uh, my interest is peaked. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to regret this tomorrow morning, but um, I, I think my I enjoyed, it is not the best album that we've discussed, uh, but I, I think I, I really enjoyed going back to English Garden by Bruce Woolley and the uh-huh. um, Camera Club. Really flawed album, but mm-hmm. um, some great ideas some great songwriting um but but very flawed but not boring yeah that is not a boring album at all great well thanks man this has been a blast yeah um so we are 
not going to jump into 1980 next. Um, we got a couple more uh, bonus sort of catch-up episodes to go. Um, but our next episode, we're 90% certain about this, mm -hmm. is uh, a deep dive episode. A way, 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 way overdue deep dive. Oh, one that man. we've been talking about since day one. Yeah. We are finally getting to it. Rob, you're happy about this. I'm going to sort of like grit my teeth and be a good sport about it. Okay. And it'll be nice to um, get it out of the way. Our deep dive is going to be on what band? Our deep dive is going to be on the Velvet Underground. Yes. Yes, we are. And, and, and I'm hoping that you find some things in there that you, you know, they, they will allow you to loosen up your jaw a little bit. Um <laughs> most of the the most famous Velvet Underground songs at least the ones that I'm familiar with are are sung by Lou Reed and that's just a non-starter for me. Mm. Um so so I'm I am looking forward to exploring more of the songs that do not feature Lou Reed as the lead singer. So that's the Nicolette <laughs> songs. Yeah. I, I, I know that intonation is always an issue with her. So we'll see if I can get past that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have never, well, actually I owned, um, the album called the, the most famous album the white light black key that's wrong oh, white what what is it <laughs> there's some white and some black and some some heat and something white white light dark heat dark light white oh, heat <laughs> come on you're the velvet underground um, expert not me white light white heat yeah you're right about that white light white heat yeah, yeah. so i actually own this album so i know that i've listened to it all the way through um mm -hmm. back in my teenage days uh did not stick with me at all i don't remember a single thing about it ah. um but i doubt that i've heard any of the other albums like all the way through um so there is a chance i mean i will i will embrace this as an opportunity for growth all right. Personal growth on my end. I do anticipate that um, I won't do a lot of talking in that episode. We've we have um, knock on wood. We've got um, some. Yeah, we've got some great ideas about guests mm -hmm. for for that episode who are are real big um, Velvet Underground fans. So I'm looking forward to just kind of like sitting back and enjoying the show um yeah 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 well i i am gonna love it um <laughs> and maybe i can be enthusiastic enough to kind of pull you in uh at least a little bit and, and like i said i i think there might be some gems that you'll you'll find in there mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hey rob you know what's the thing what's that 
Um, I've I've heard that that some people, you know, different different people have like different weird little kinks and kicks, and I've heard that there are people that like go out and write podcast reviews and feel really good about it. Oh yeah. And yeah. um I I think that our listeners should maybe give it a try, you know, go try it on for size. Like am I a podcast reviewer? Go to Apple Podcasts, find our podcast, try it out, see if it's for you. I hear it can be quite rewarding. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, it, it may change your life. Um, <laughs> don't knock it till you try it. Right. That's Rob? right. Absolutely. Don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. Drop us a review, say a few words, click on a star or two or five and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. What a wild ride. Um, I I'm glad that you were here with me trudging through this stuff. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was a little rough, it was but, rough. um, but but we had fun and we we learned a lot, didn't we? Yeah, we, we well, yeah, we sure did. Um, I mean, yeah, we definitely learned as far as what we don't like and what we do like. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, so I'm pretty sure that um, many of our listeners, as as we were talking about Bruce Woolley and the camera club and their version of uh, video killed the radio star were making mental notes. Oh, I'm going to have to go now and check that out. Just, just to see what this version is about. We're going to save you the trouble. We're going to go out on his, um, uh, in my personal opinion, I think the opinion of most of the rest of the world, um, really inferior version of um a new wave pop classic so that so um so there's that well thanks rob (laughs) any any last thoughts uh you know what all i can say is 1980s on the way and i'm kind of i'm ready for it so this was this was fun as always and uh yeah thank you as well for being here Okay, everybody, we will talk to you next month. See ya.